0: what's going on and welcome into a friday edition of the pelicans podcast presented by sea geek i'm daniel salerson hope everyone is well hope everyone is uh getting their king cake as carnival season is upon us 12th night last night inside the smoothie king center the pelicans got a big win over the golden state warriors 101 to 96 to help me recap it i welcome in as always jim offer of pelicans.com and fresh out of health and safety protocols todd graff who is now 1-0 and post-health and safety protocols, and that's the only record we're going to go by for the remainder of the season, as long as we continue to put Ws uh, on the board. Todd, first of all, how was it last night for you? I know it was probably a little different after missing five games, but nonetheless, a good luck charm for you. Uh, hope the Pelicans get a victory.
1: Yeah, it was good to get back at it, Daniel. And uh, it was like I always say, you can't win them all if you don't win the first. So uh, let's uh, let's go undefeated here the rest of the way. No, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Good to get back. Uh, getting the win was very, very important, obviously. You know, uh, I know Golden State was shorthanded, but, you know, like we always say, look, like, that's that's the way it is right now. You got to take advantage. Uh, you know, John DeShazer and I talked a lot about it last night. I mean, if you were going to get them, last night was a time to get them with no Steph Curry and no Draymond Green. So uh, they're not going to look back at it at the end of the season and say, hey, Golden State didn't have these guys out when, when they tally up the win. So, uh, Pels were able to get it done, got a little dicey down the stretch, mm-hmm. but uh, we're able to hold on and get the W. Yeah, as
0: you say, that's a them problem, and uh, that was certainly the case last night for Golden State. And Jim, we talked about on the post game show, and I know Todd and JD mentioned it, it was not a game that will be sent to uh, Springfield, Massachusetts at the Basketball Hall of Fame as far as an instant classic. Um, but the Pelicans have had a hard time closing out games, especially during these last three. And they've been every in every ball game with the Bucks and the Jazz and the Suns, just haven't been able to get over the hump. But last night, despite the poor shooting, uh, they, they were able to get the win. I feel like that still says a lot about them, um, even though they're not shooting well. solely able to grab a W last night was crucial.
2: Yeah, as I like to say from time to time, there's no pictures in the standings. It just they just tally it up, and that's all there is to it. There's no, we don't need to be aesthetically pleasing, and the Pelicans certainly were not last night. But like you said. Um, we could say this about a lot of different categories and a lot of different aspects of the season, but I think they've gotten better at being able to come up with some of these wins when they don't have really good offensive games. So that was definitely the case last night. It seemed like there was a lid on the basket, especially in the first half and the first few minutes of the first quarter, I think it was like six to three. It was like a football score after the first uh, five minutes or so, but, um, regardless i mean the most important thing was to get a win and and they did that so we can be happy moving forward into this weekend absolutely someone that uh
0: needed to have a good game and did have one was brandon ingram last night eight for 36 in the first two games of this homestand uh 14 of 20 i believe last night if i correct or 12 for 20 and my numbers are running through me but either way 32 points for him tonight i'll start with you jim then go with todd It just seemed like his flow was better. Maybe, I don't know, shot selection was any different for him, but his rhythm, he got into it a little earlier. And it seemed like after that, uh, he kind of picked up where he left off uh, before he got into the little shooting song.
2: Yeah, I thought at the beginning of the game, even though everyone was having a hard time putting the ball in the basket when it was six to three, I want to say two of the six or two of the three baskets that the Pelicans had were. Ingram had a driving layup and then he had another play where he got all the way to the rim, missed the shot, but tipped it back in. So, I mean, it seemed like right off the bat, he was making an effort to get to the basket and not have it just be mid range shots or difficult contested jumpers, which I think might've been part of why he was struggling in the first couple games that he came back from the injury, other than the fact that, like I just said, he was coming back from being out for a few, a couple games. So um that part of it I think was was important for him to and really it kind of spread throughout the whole team as the night went on that you could tell nobody was really making shots Gary Clark might have been one of the exceptions to that where he made some threes but otherwise it was like put your head down get into the paint get to the basket get to the free throw line because that's the way that offense is going to be generated and and really that was a, a huge reason why they were able to score enough in the second half to win.
0: And Todd, what was interesting about Brandon Ingram last night in the way that the Warriors approached him? They put him in a box and one at some points during the game too. So, you know, for a guy that you know is you are know, arguably one of the best players on the Pelicans, the fact that they couldn't even figure out a way to the guard him and have to put him in that box and one shows what type of player Brandon Ingram is.
1: Yeah, it's the old Dale Brown freak defense that that, yeah. <laughs> that they put on him. Um, no, look, you know the thing about Brandon is, and we've said this a lot uh, over the last couple of years, you know, it's very, very difficult for the Pelicans to win if he's not scoring. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. And it was just really disappointing that he he was playing so well uh, before that Oklahoma city game where he had to come out and he had the Achilles soreness. I mean, the way he played last night is the way he was playing prior to the injury. And I don't think there's a doubt in your mind, my mind, or Jim's mind that the Pels would have won that Oklahoma city game. And Brandon Ingram was playing like he had been prior to him. I mean, he didn't score in that game and, of course, only played, a, what, five, six minutes before coming out. So his rhythm really got disrupted uh, w- with the Achilles soreness. So that's the thing. It took him a couple of games to get back. But like we saw, you know, you're not going to beat Utah. You're not going to beat Phoenix if Brandon Ingram scoring 10 points or 14 points. He's got to be at the 22 to 25 range each and every night, because again, I mean, we're just being honest right now, guys, there's just not enough firepower on this team to to pick up the slack. Uh, I mean, you, you can see it, you know, ever so often like Devonte Graham could have a 28 point night. Uh, but again, we saw last night, Devonte struggled. So you need Brandon Ingram's consistency on a night in and night out basis Uh, until you know the rest of the offense really picks up
0: going to consistency I feel like you're starting to get that consistency from Herbert Jones and consistently it's been on the defensive end but you're really starting to see him start filling up the stat sheet on the offensive end as well at least getting into double figures every night if you can get that from him along with the defense a career high five steals last night then boy you are in great shape for a rookie that was picked 35 overall I feel like Todd I'll start with you and go to Jim that rookie of the year, that ladder that everyone's talking about in all rookie team, Herbert Jones is starting to climb that ladder. I think people besides us in new Orleans are starting to recognize what type of player he is as a rookie.
1: The secret's out. I mean, it's out now. Um, You know, we, we've known it pretty much from the get-go but now it's starting to get some national recognition or what the impact is. And it's just, you know, when he is on the floor, good things happen. That's the bottom line uh, on, on both ends. And like you said, Daniel, he's starting to get a lot more confident on the offensive end. His cutting to the basket, uh, even in the last three or so weeks, uh, we have seen him really get to the rim. Uh, he's starting again to to not think about taking that outside shot, even though he had his foot on the line two more times last night. Um, but still, he he's... He's just letting it go. He's not thinking about what he's doing on the offensive end. He's just he's just doing it. And that's when you start basically doing things instinctively and not thinking about it. That means you're getting over the hump in that aspect. We already knew what he could do defensively. If he starts rounding out to an offensive where he's getting double figures every night, you got a serious player right there.
0: What are you seeing from Herbert Jones, Jim?
2: Yeah, I think Graff mentioned it as far as the words out. I, I was impressed by the comments that Donovan Mitchell made after the Utah game earlier this week, as well as Mike Conley. I mean, the players understand better than anyone, like who, who really can play and who are some of the guys that have the highest basketball IQ. So I've just been impressed by how quickly that Herb has adapted to the NBA. And Graf didn't leave me a lot. He, he covered everything <laughs> I was going to say
1: but uh, I haven't talked in two weeks, Jim. I mean,
2: I got to get a, I <laughs> totally get a understandable. lot of time. Totally understandable. <laughs> you're, you're completely <laughs> forgiven for that. Um, But, but the, the improvement that Herb has made Herb has made in terms of offense, I think is mostly just from a confidence standpoint. I, I think he was always pretty sure of himself and understood that he could accomplish some good things on offense at the beginning of the season even, but it's, he's definitely taken that to a different level and, and, I think realize that, you know, when he goes to the basket, that there's not many guys that are going to block his shot. So, I mean, he had a play last night on a fast break where he jumped from like, it seemed like the, the dotted line in the, in the paint and soared in for a slam. Um, so, I, I mean, how can you not be just so happy with the way that he's been playing and just the progress that he's already made. And we're not even halfway through his rookie season.
1: And we're starting to see Herb Jones jerseys in the stands now too.
0: Yes. Yes. It's about time. We certainly have needed them. The demand for them has been through the roof and yes, the Herb Jones jerseys are everywhere. Not on Herb is definitely a trend uh, in the New Orleans area. And um, let's talk about, I guess also the schedule for the Pelicans now look, I mean, yeah, they went one and three this past week. If you're including the Milwaukee game, but man, just a brutal schedule for the Pelicans um, to start 2022. And you're facing the likes of the Milwaukee Bucks the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, and then the Golden State Warriors, despite them being shorthanded, still a very talented team. Now, I don't want to say it lightens up, but it gets to a point where this is a chance for the Pelicans, I feel like, to to get on maybe a possible winning streak here. You're going to go into Toronto on Sunday, and look, you're going to basically avoid any sort of, I guess, feel like a true road game, because I don't think there's going to be any fans there, or if it is, it's going to be very limited. And then you're back home for two games against a Minnesota Timberwolves team that has had your number um, for two of the three ball games, and then you've had the number of the Clippers next Thursday, and they're still going to be without Kawhi Leonard, and they're also probably going to be without Paul George. So, Todd, I'll start with you. Um, this is a chance for the Pelicans here that especially, I know you don't like to go through the standings right now as far as where they're at, but to, they are a couple games out, and this could be another chance for them before they hit
1: the road to, to really do some damage. Now, going through the standings is the gym department. That, yes. That's um, now. Look, uh, I I'm not. You know, I haven't gone really in into detail on my Toronto stuff yet. I know we're playing them on Sunday. We got a couple days prior to that, but uh, my understanding is they're just starting to get some some of their guys back. So uh, I know they're playing much much better. They had a big win uh, just a couple of nights ago, so they're playing well. Um, Minnesota is going to be uh, when they came in here and basically rolled up on us. Uh, that Willie Green was not happy at all uh, after that Minnesota win in the Smoothie King center. So that that's maybe a little bit of a revenge game uh, right there. And then of course the Clippers, for whatever reason, uh, the Pels have matched up against them. What's it four in a row now? uh, That Mm -hmm. the Pels have have beaten the Clippers. Uh, So, you know, that has been a favorable matchup. And again, they've no Kawhi and no Paul George. So you've got a, you've got an advantage right there. So We'll see. I, I think the game on Sunday though is, is, a, is a swing game, if you will. I mean, if you could go on the road and get that one, like you said, you've got an advantage there because it's like a, it's a very tough place to play. but if no fans are there, that that diminishes the advantage considerably uh, for the Raptors. If you can go up there on Sunday and get that one, you've got an opportunity to you know finish the home stand up before we go on that long road trip uh, next Friday going to, to Brooklyn, Boston, and New York. So I think Sunday's the Sunday's the biggie Sunday's the biggie. Cause there's the thing too, guys, Hells are playing better at home. They're they're. I think they're playing yeah. as well at home this year as they have in the three years that I've been in with mm. the team. Uh, mm. No question. I think we're starting to see finally a home court advantage in the smoothie King center.
2: Yeah. You know, I agree wholeheartedly that the Toronto game to me among the group of teams that they're about to play, is, is the team that's playing the best. I mean, they, they got Pascal Siakam back and they have you know, Van Vliet playing at a really high level. They play with a ton of energy, even though you know they haven't had it. fans at their home games. I've watched a couple of their games lately where they've been running teams off the court. So I think that's one of the things that the Pelicans need to be wary of is transition defense and making sure that they match the energy that the Raptors have. So, but I want to fulfill my obligation as lined out by Mr. Graffinini <laughs> as far as the standings go. And uh, I, I think it's it's interesting, you know, Todd. It's his right as an American to not have to follow the standings. That's fine. We're only in, you know, January, early January at that. So, but um, I mean, the Pelicans are going into this weekend, uh, two only two games out of the the tenth place spot, which is the last play in tournament spot. And San Antonio is in tenth and has two very difficult road games before the Pelicans even get back on the court. So, I mean, unless this spurs and the spurs are very capable of winning tough games on the road which we've seen they won at golden state not that long ago they've had some other really good wins but unless the spurs win either at philly or at brooklyn before the pelicans even play that margin could actually be one game before new orleans even plays toronto which would be really nice and something that i would look at i know Graf doesn't want to focus on that too much and that's fine but uh i mean i would be encouraged by that the other another team that's Um, ahead of New Orleans Sacramento's playing at Denver which is a pretty tough game so I mean the Pelicans could gain ground on them as well before they even take the court against the Raptors Um, but in terms of New Orleans's upcoming schedule um, I forget what it was someone used the term about the NBA the gang of 500 referring to the fact that there's so many teams that are right around the 500 mark it seems like it's more than usual this year I'm not sure if I have any scientific data to back that up. It just seems like there's so many teams that are, you know, they'll win a couple games, get over 500, go lose a couple games, get under 500, that have been kind of um, wavering back and forth. Toronto is a really good example of that, where from week to week, you never know whether they're going to be above or below 500. But um, between Toronto, Minnesota, who's um, pretty similar to that and has had some really streaky stretches, the Clippers have been that way. And even if you go further into the month, um, they, the three-game road trip, East Coast trip starts with Brooklyn, which, you know, obviously is one of the best teams in the league. But then they play – the Pelicans play Boston and New York on that trip. And those are, again, two teams that are in the gang of 500 that are hovering around uh, the break-even point, And you never really know from week to week of where exactly they're going to be. So I've, I just think this stretch of games for New Orleans is going to be really interesting just because – there's a lot of opponents that you don't really know for sure what you're going to get from them from night to night. And obviously the Pelicans hope that they get the, uh, the weaker bad version of some of these teams when they play them. But I'm, I'm really curious to see how they can do over this next stretch because they're playing a bunch of teams that just all fit that definition of, of uh, who the heck knows what they're going to, what they're going to do from game to game.
1: And, and just to kind of piggyback on that, Jim, as far as the standings go, look, I know we're joking about it, but, as long as you can avoid, you know, the long losing streak, you know, I I know we've lost three in a row this week, but again, very tough stretch. Uh, That's why last night was so important uh, to get that win, just to, to stop the streak. But if you can get, you know, look, how much ground did the Pels make up in just a modest four game winning streak? uh, Mm -hmm. You know, a couple of weeks ago, if you can string some wins together, avoid, you know, losing two, three in a row, you're going to make up ground. The stadiums are going to take care of themselves just because of what you just said. I mean, no one is going to get on one of those 10, 11-game winning streaks where they're going to pull away from the pack. That's just not the nature of the NBA right now. You've got two really elite teams in the West, and we've just seen them. Uh, one last night and one two nights prior to that. That's Golden State and Phoenix. Everybody else is, is beatable in my mind. I mean, even, even Utah. I mean, Utah, they're just basically the same team that we've seen for the last however many years. Denver's a good team but if Jokic isn't on the floor they're a very average team I think we've seen that as well so I I just don't think you're gonna you you've got a situation now where you can't make up a lot of ground in a very short amount of time if you can just get on not even a four or five game winning streak win three of four win four of five two of three that's how you make up ground because we still have a long way to go in this season. Who doesn't love some
0: good scoreboard watching on January 7th, right? I I love it. I'm with Jim. I'm all about it. I look up at the schedule, see who's playing in front of us, just see who we can gain some ground on, especially after a win, and we don't play it for a couple days. So no matter what, we're going to gain some ground on someone before we play the Toronto Raptors on Sunday. I'll give that to you two guys okay I'll leave it to you we'll leave you a spreadsheet every day heading into our next game and just let you roll look through it um guys i really appreciate it um todd welcome back really glad to have you back last night let's do it again on sunday against the toronto raptors will be todd and myself uh actually from the smoothie king center we're gonna do a little remote broadcast so none of us get stuck in canada <laughs> and uh jim i appreciate it as always we'll talk to you on the podcast on monday and uh hopefully we're talking about a pelicans win
2: yeah great great to talk with you guys uh I was just joking with somebody the other day that I'm. if I was in Canada and I got stuck there, it would be very difficult for the border security to keep me from sneaking across to the American side, considering where I grew up is only a few hours from Toronto. So I don't know if I would be able to follow the laws. So I guess it's just as well that I'm not going to be on the trip and not risk having to do that.
0: The last thing we need is Jim on Canada's most wanted list, that's for <laughs> sure. Guys, I appreciate it. I'll do it for this week's edition of the Pelicans podcast. We had some great podcasts this week, and we'll have some more for you next week as the Pelicans, again, Sunday against Toronto, 5 p.m. Central Time on Valley Sports New Orleans or ESPN New Orleans with 100.3 FM. Timberwolves on Tuesday and the Clippers on Thursday. Until then, for Jim and Todd, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great weekend, and go Pels.